Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who he's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been discussing God's wisdom mm-hmm. and how it relates to us, as well as his wisdom seen in creation. You know, we see so many different examples of his yeah. wisdom, how nature has unfolded and how it works in such a symbiotic flow. Yeah. Um, only God know, could do that. Only God. We're able to breathe what the trees naturally emit mm-hmm. out into the atmosphere. There are bugs that are designed solely to take care of certain issues that would, would harm be a threat us, to us. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, God's wisdom is seen in all of those things. But for me, the most important illustration and the best illustration of God's wisdom is through his plan for salvation. Absolutely. Absolutely. The fact that we experience God's wisdom through his word materializing. Mm. His word materialized into human form. It actually became flesh and dwelt among us. And we know that was through the person of Jesus Christ. That's right. That's right. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 and 7, Behold, I come in the volume of the book. It is written all about me to do the will of God. So the word of God is Jesus. And that was the plan that God set in place before the foundations of the world. I I think about the definition of the word serendipity. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we hear that word uh, mentioned oftentimes And the actual definition is the occurrence and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. Mm. So, you know, we know that God doesn't do anything by chance. And Mm -hmm. so that's the only part that's not part of what we're saying. Mm -hmm. But the fact that God has unfolded this plan from the beginning of time He's the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Mm -hmm. So this was a plan that has been set in place by God. Mm. We we can't even comprehend his plan in its entirety. And that's just encouraging for a lot of people. Many of you who may be listening now um, and looking at your life, not just as individual instances or random events, but it's a strategically, meticulously mapped out plan that's full of divine purpose. And only he could orchestrate it or oversee it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, help us to see how God's wisdom is wonderfully demonstrated in the plan of salvation. And we'll be talking about that a little more. And also uh, the fact that this wisdom is a gift from God that will help us to see how we can love and know the Lord better. At the end of the day, that's what we want to do. The closer we get to God, the closer we get to Christ, the more we'll understand those unanswerable things that come with life. Absolutely. So join us as we go a little deeper. Let's go deeper. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. This is Paul talking to the Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe that power, that incomparable great power given to us who believe in Jesus Christ is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come and placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. Now, hold on a second. That's a lot, right? Okay. So let's, let's try, let's try to break it down. Just, just briefly here. Paul is praying for the Ephesians here and his request is not that they get all these provisions and all these things. He's not asking God to take, take care of them either. He didn't pray. I'm praying that God will take care of you. I'm praying that God will keep you. I'm praying that God would bless you abundantly that your cup runs over. He's praying that God will give the Ephesians wisdom so that they can understand what they already got. He is telling them that what you already have is equivalent to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And you have a hope that is attached to that. And knowing that ain't nobody higher than Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of God, the father, and everything is under his feet. So that everything that we would be worried about, everything that we would be concerned about, everything that we would fear would be under our feet, meaning that we won't ever allow those things to overtake us emotionally in our spirit to cause us to doubt and minimize the greatness of Christ, the superiority of Christ over all of our issues, all of our problems, all of our concerns. The wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. This means that Jesus Christ is the greatest demonstration of the hidden wisdom of God towards us. So the Bible says in, in, in the start from the beginning, Genesis one and one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Earth was without form and void. Verse two and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters. Verse three. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God starts creation with a word. God's words are permanent. When God says something, he has to do it. He is only limited by what he says. His word is so holy that it keeps him restricted. Think about that. God is so honest that he holds his own self accountable. There's a, t- there's a scripture in the Bible that says if God makes a promise or if God swears or makes a covenant, ain't nobody else to swear by but himself. That means there's nobody higher than him. He, he makes himself keep his own promises. In that context, he says, let there be. And once he creates the world and he says that he also creates mankind. And we know the story of Adam and Eve. God gives them a simple command. He tells them you can have everything else. You can eat everything else in the garden except for that 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can have every other tree. If you eat that tree, you're going to surely die. Here comes the serpent. Did God really say you're going to surely die? No, of course he didn't. He don't want you to get that tree because when you eat that, it's, it's knowledge. It, it's more knowledge. It's the knowledge of good and evil. That's something God's trying to keep from you. Like if God was so God, how come he can give you the whole garden? Why is he holding it back? And curiosity comes in the garden, taps Adam and Eve on the shoulder. And guess what they eat? And something catastrophic happens when they eat that fruit. Sin enters the world. Sin separates mankind from God at the moment that fruit enters their mouths. And now there is a separation from God that introduced guilt, that introduced shame, that introduced hiding from God. So what happens is sin enters the world and mankind falls. God saying that they would surely die means they would surely die. Because God is holy, because God can't make mistakes, because God can't lie, God must now allow the consequences that he first put in place to take place on us, which means we would be eternally separated from God because we disobeyed. So what God does in his wisdom is he becomes his own word. God becomes his own word. All right. So where's that at? John, the gospel of John one, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Hold on. This is a poetic version of Genesis one and one from the apostle John in the gospels. In the beginning was the word. Okay. That's true. God said there's a word. Okay. God created everything from his word and the word was with God. Okay. He was with what he said. Great. God was there and he spoke creation into existence. So he and his word were together. And the word was with God and the word was God. Okay, hold on. So that means there is no difference between God and what he says. So when you're listening to his word, you're really listening to God. That's how honest God is. That if he says something, it's him. The Bible that we read right now, that's God. And when God uses someone to speak to you, that's God. So when he's sending his word, even into your situation... And he speaks that word. That's him tangibly walking in your situation. Amen. Stepping right in the middle of your Amen. situation. God is his word. All right. So Genesis one, I mean, uh, John one, chapter one, uh, in the beginning was the word. Words with God. Word was God. And then you jump down and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is amazing about God in that if God is restricted to his own word, God never sinned, but mankind did. God loves us so much that he wants us to have a relationship with him. So the only thing left to do is for God to become what he needs to save. In your best efforts, in our best attempts to do the right thing, we always mess up. In our best attempts, to be forgiving, to be loving, to be generous, to be all those things that we need. We mess up. 
we can't help but be human. So according to God's standard, we would always fail in our best efforts. The Bible says in Isaiah that our goodness is filthy rags. It's like filthy rags. It's 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 the things that we we can do that we sometimes pat ourselves on the back compared to God's goodness. It's laughable if that. So God becomes a man in that he understands your flaws. He understands that you can't help it. He understands that you're struggling. He understands what he allowed you to go through and its effect on your personality, on the things that you struggle with, on the baggage that you carry, on the issues that you can't let go of. God knows. And in his knowing, he takes into consideration the burden of trying to do everything right as far as having a relationship with him. So he takes all the burden on himself and he says they will never be able to please me on their own. And they will always be separated from me unless I do something about it. So what God does is he becomes man through the person of Jesus Christ, literally for us. God comes down with the full knowledge of what is required to please him. And he basically says, if you are willing to relinquish control and if you are willing to to surrender your life. And if you are willing to trust that my plan for you is better than yours, this wisdom that we're talking about will be yours in abundance. So God becomes flesh and he becomes man literally to live the life that we messed up in the garden. He comes to live the life that we messed up. He comes to save us from ourselves. God's wisdom for all of us is demonstrated in the life that he's meant for us to accomplish. And we may not see the glory now. You may be struggling right now. You may be uh, uh, not having, not being able to make, make ends meet like you'd like to now. You may be in between things right now. But the point is, it's about the glory that the fullness of your life will demonstrate. First Corinthians Two, seven through nine. This is the easy to read Bible. It says, but we speak God's secret wisdom that has been hidden from everyone until now. God planned this wisdom for our glory. He planned it before the world began. Watch this. None of the rulers of this world understood this wisdom. If they had understood it, they would not have killed our great and glorious Lord on a cross. But as the scripture says, no one has ever seen. No one has ever heard. No one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Hold on a second. Are we saying here that God's love superseded the pain that he would feel from his innocent son being killed so that we can be close to him? What kind of love does God have and why do we deserve it so much that he would allow as a father, he would allow his son to be crucified at the hands of us? In order so at the end, we can just be with him. And this is why people walking around without the knowledge of Christ or disregarding God is the most disrespectful thing to God. Because God was willing to go all in to demonstrate to us how much he loves us. Even when it said it cost his only begotten son. I wanted to think about that. The Bible says that it's secret wisdom. Meaning. God allowed the worst case scenario to happen 
So the best case scenario could happen. This was so bad that the rulers of darkness, this is what the Bible is saying. This situation was so bad that if this, to allow this to happen, for God to sit there and the angels sit there and know who Jesus is mm. and to sit there and everybody sit there and watch this happen. Is God really going to go through this? He's going to go this far to let his only begotten son die on the cross for humankind. He can just create humankind again. Who are we that God will condescend to us? Who are we that God would be thinking about us and want a relationship with us? That's why when eternity comes and when it's our time to go up there, you know, or God forbid, it's our time and we don't make it. Lord, help us. Imagine the regret. Imagine the torment. Imagine the fear. Imagine the, the, the anxiety. Imagine the, the pain that we're going to feel in the fact that I disregarded God's intense and eternal love for me. I disregarded it. I just, I just disregarded God. And look, this, this verse tells us the intent. Nobody has ever seen, nobody has ever heard, no one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. If the forces of darkness would have known that this was God's plan, they'd let Jesus live forever. No, don't, don't crucify him. God's secret wisdom and the plan of salvation from the garden to the cross, all the way down to the resurrection and all the way down to us right now. We all have access to God through Christ, literally. That means no matter what you've done, no matter who you hurt, no matter what you can't forgive yourself for, no matter what your issues are and your hangups are, you have access to God. One of the things that I, I, um, I used to wrestle with, especially, you know, being raised in church, growing up in church, is this whole guilt thing, this whole condemnation thing, this whole. Um, You're never doing enough. Yeah. Yeah. You're never quite making a mark. Yeah. And, and feeling like you have to fix yourself and you have to fix these things and you have to do. And it's all this pressure on you to be a Christian. And there's all this pressure on you to live right. And all those things have their place. But unfortunately, we and our humanity are always finding a reason to do things in our own strength. God, in his wisdom, is using every single event in your life to draw you closer to him. And in the hard stuff and in the good stuff and in the amazing stuff and the sad stuff, and the stuff that you're stuck in, God's secret wisdom is at play. God's secret wisdom is at work. There's a reason why he says in all things give thanks. Because he has a plan for it. In all things, in death, give thanks. In poverty, give thanks. Job loss, give thanks. In a pandemic, give thanks. Because like you said last week, there are things that this pandemic has done for us spiritually. There's some things that this pandemic has done for us creatively. There are some people who have dug within themselves like they never would have before just to survive. Businesses have been started. People have become more creative. Families have come together. Because God's wisdom is at work through everything that we're going through. And God used his wisdom in such a beautiful way through the highs and lows 
of the life of Christ that we can see in all those Bible characters, the highs and lows, the times that they messed up, the times they lied, the times they killed people, the times they cheated, the times that they slept around, the times that they did all this kind of stuff. God's wisdom at some point in their life was manifest. And at the end of their life, God's purpose was accomplished in the earth. Question for you, when it's all said and done, when you've lived your best life and you've done everything that you've wanted to do, what will God think about the life that you gave, the life that you live? This is a season of deep contemplation. There's so much death going on, so much grief going on. You're thinking about your life. You're thinking about what your life means, what your life means to your family, what your life means to the world, what your life means in the grand scheme of things. God wants you to know that his wisdom is at work in that. And the purpose of it is to get you to know God in a deeper way. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you, God, for yet another time to come together, God, where we can gather to hear from you, God. We, we've all gathered around the same table to mm. feast off of what you have served It has not been our words. It's not been our thoughts. But Lord, we pray that everything said came straight from you, God. And as we have taken the time throughout the course of these months to study and to delve into your character and to your attributes, we thank you because we have seen you in a way that Mm. some of us have never seen you before. And for some of us, it's been a reminder of who you are Mm. in our lives, God. You have shown us your love, your justice, your sovereignty, God, your patience with us, God, and towards us, God, and your wisdom. You've shown us your wisdom in creation. You've shown us your wisdom beyond ourselves. And Lord, you've shown us your wisdom in salvation. You have set up a plan for us to eternally live with you. Mm. Through your wisdom, Lord, we don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the plan that you've set in place, God, to allow us, God, to come to you, to be reconciled with you, God. We realize and recognize that sin entered the world and separated us from you. Mm. And it is only through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ that we are able to be reconciled back with you, God. So we thank you for that wisdom. We thank you, God, because you have allowed us the privilege of getting to know you in such a real and intimate and authentic way, God. Lord, we pray, God, that as we go about our daily lives, that you will remind us day by day, moment by moment, situation by situation, you will remind us who you are to us, God, the plan that you have for our life, God, yes, Lord. and the fact that you want us to live with you eternally when this is all said and done, God. I pray for each and every listener, each and every participant. I pray, God, that you would deal with their hearts even as this is over, that you will continue to minister to them, yes. that you will continue to speak to them, that you will continue to deal with them, God. And I pray, God, that the pressure would be taken off of them And it would be put on you. The demand is put on you, God. 
continue to bless us, God, even in these upcoming days, Lord. We don't know what is to come. Our minds can't even fathom what might be upon the earth. But Lord, we pray, God, that in the upcoming days, you will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep our bodies, you will keep our minds, and you will keep our hearts. You're God and you're God alone. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.